Open Door Ministry Breadcrumbs Podcast with me, your host, Barbara Smith. We are here to share our blog articles with you in an audio format. We know that people are very busy and constantly on the go, but we all still need daily inspiration in our lives. It is our goal to share a few thought-provoking morsels that will challenge you to stay actively engaged in the Word of God. His Word is the bread of life. What Would You Name Your Storm by Barbara Smith? There has been naming of major storms by scientists and forecasters for centuries, often with a numbering system, but it was not until the 1950s that the decision was made to name all storms, though for the first three years they were quite bizarre names like Hurricane Fox, jig or love using the army navy phonetic alphabet they were then recycled the following year which seemed to be a flaw in the system however names seemed to be easier to remember than numbers in 1953 the decision was made by the u.s hurricane center to begin naming all storms using female names in alphabetical order They began compiling lists, and this proved a much better system by which they could warn people about upcoming storms, and it was less confusing. In 1979, they began to add men's names to the list also. Six lists are now rotated annually. If the cyclone is major and results in casualties, the name can be retired from the lists. Since 1954, there have been 78 names retired. For different oceans and regions, they use a separate set of lists to manage their storms. According to Webster's Dictionary, a science that deals with the atmosphere and its phenomena, and especially with weather and weather forecasting, is called meteorology. Aristotle was the first to write a work called Meteorology, taking the word meteros from the Greek word meaning raised up high and ology from logica meaning the logic, study, or the discussion of. He is therefore known as the founder of meteorology. The book was about the elements of weather interplaying and the vapors that rose from the earth and the sea caused by the action of the sun. Since Aristotle was an ancient Greek philosopher who lived from 384 B.C. to 322 B.C., we can see that this study has been around for many centuries. Many modern-day inventions of instruments for this study have evolved since then. Therefore, it has now become quite an advanced science. Colleges and universities now offer specialized courses in this study for those wishing to pursue this sophisticated career field. Even those who are not formally educated, such as farmers or fishermen, can possess some knowledge 
of weather patterns just by being observant of it day after day and month after month. Farmers need to be knowledgeable regarding weather to find the best time to till the soil, plant the seed, and harvest their crops. Similarly, Anglers need to know weather patterns to know when the best time to go out to sea would be, when the fish may be biting, to catch the greatest yield for their time spent, and as to not get caught out in storms. In the scripture, it is said that James and John, whose father was Zebedee, were surnamed or nicknamed Borgenese by Jesus, meaning the sons of thunder, or commotion because they were quite rowdy. However, they, along with their partners, Peter and Andrew, also brothers, were successful fishermen and possibly had to be a little rough and tough around the edges because they had made their living from the sea before Jesus called them to follow him. In fact, Zebedee was thought to be a man of influence and means in his community with the mention of hired servants in Mark 1 verse 20. These career fishermen were astonished that Jesus knew anything about the weather or fishing because he was a carpenter's son. Luke 5 verse 1 through 11 says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, that is Jesus, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in another ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes that they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Jesus, in his wisdom, always turned life experiences into spiritual lessons. We see a meteorology lesson by Jesus in the scripture as told by Luke. Being rough and tough, why were these experienced fishermen afraid of the storm? Luke 8 verses 23 to 25 gives one account. But as they sailed, he, Jesus, fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wonder, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commanded even the winds and water, and they obey him. 
Mark 4 verses 35 through 41 gives the same account with a few added details. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Sea of Galilee is more like a lake than a sea, and it sits about 700 feet below actual sea level. It is only 13 miles long and 8.1 miles wide. It is fed by underwater springs, but mainly by the Jordan River and is only about 141 feet deep. It is a dry and warm climate and rarely has storms. Many residents along the shores have only known it as calm waters and have never personally witnessed a storm. Therefore, it is possible that Peter, Andrew, James, and John had not experienced a storm of this magnitude before. There have been a few storms recorded to date, which might have had waves around 10 feet high, which could be dangerous to an experienced angler, especially in smaller crafts. Jesus used these lessons to begin revealing to his disciples that he was God manifest in the flesh, to teach them and show them that he had power over the elements and could conquer anything by using something they could relate to as the fishing incident, which he as a man had no prior knowledge of, and the storms in which possibly none of them had prior experience in. When Jesus performed a miracle, it was never by coincidence or happenstance. It was always so that the glory of God could be seen. If they had never seen or experienced a storm to this point, you could see where this would seem major and a life-threatening event to them. You can see where they would be afraid of what was going to happen to them and their boat, which was their livelihood. We are quick to judge them now and say, they had Jesus in the boat. What was their problem? Why were they afraid? But it is only because we have read the story. We can read another story of storms and shipwrecks in the scripture that occurred years later, and the outcome is different. In fact, not in a good way, but the outcome was quite the opposite. Paul had undoubtedly heard this account of Jesus asleep in the boat, as we have. In Acts 27, verse 13 to verse 25, Paul had, in fact, warned them not to sail because of a storm coming, but they did not heed his warning. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up under the wind, 
we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strike sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lightened the ship, and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope we should be saved was taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am, and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all of them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. The account of this storm occurred in the Mediterranean Sea, which is 970,000 square miles of surface area and 4,900 feet deep. The storm called Eurocladon is taken from Euro, meaning east, and Aculon, meaning north wind. It is a northeast wind that is caused by a low pressure that moves past the south of Malta, especially in the winter. These seafarers were overconfident, seeing they had probably encountered storms before, and therefore did not heed Paul's words of caution. He, unlike the disciples in the first storm account, was not afraid. He had heard from the angel of the Lord that they would be spared in the storm, and as aforementioned, he had probably heard the account of Jesus and the disciples, which bolstered his faith. However, unlike the first account, God did not calm the storm and give them smooth sailing. The ship carrying 276 people had to go through the storm for over two weeks until they eventually wrecked on the rocks and finally were able to swim or float on parts of the boat to land. God allowed this event in Paul's life to become a witness to those on the island of Melita that they were directed to by the storm Eurocladon. Many were healed there and witnessed the power of God. Two vastly different accounts and probably two extremely diverse types of storms in their intensity, but still very real to the one who was going through them. What would you name your storm today if this is the first one you are going through? It may be something like gargantuan, colossal, or mammoth because it seems so enormous and insurmountable. However, when you come out of that storm and have peace and calm and rest, it fills you with faith. If no one has experienced this and cannot relate, just wait a little while, because it will happen, albeit each account and each storm will be different for everyone. Let us look at this and say hypothetically, if you encounter a similar storm a little while later, 
This time frame is subject to interpretation. What would you name it then? Would it be something like diminutive, mediocre, or Tiny Tim? Why? Because you have already been through a storm and know that it is possible to come through it. Also, the names of these storms are to be retired and put into the file cabinet in the folder called Testimonies. Sometimes God chooses to calm the storm, but at other times He allows us to go through them. Let us look at a couple of reasons why this is so according to Scripture. Firstly, trials and tribulations and storms make us fit for the kingdom because they build our faith. Acts 14 verse 22 says, Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Secondly, Jesus had been talking to the disciples about his crucifixion. He wanted them to find peace in him by knowing who he was and what he had done for them. In John 16 verse 33, Jesus then stated, These things I have spoken unto you, that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Thirdly, we gain patience in our lives from storms. Romans 5 verse 3 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience. And James 1 verses 2 through 4 states, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Fourthly, we gain confidence, knowing that these things cannot come between us and the love of God for us. Romans 8 verses 35 through 39 encourages us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Fifthly, we go through storms and trials as Paul did to become a living testimony to those around us who may need their faith built for something they may be going through or for someone who has never heard of the power of God. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 1 verses 3 through 6, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the suffering of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. 
Lastly, we go through things so that God can receive glory and praise. Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 verses 20 through 30 and 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 states, For ye suffer if a man bring you unto bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in laborers more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, and once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeying often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things which are without that which cometh unto me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak, and I am not weak, who is offended, and I burn not. If I must need glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. And he saith unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. No matter what you have been through or are going through, it is time for us to proclaim to the enemy, because of the storm, we have greater faith, more peace and confidence in Christ Jesus. We now have enduring patience. We can feel the presence of the Lord and His love for us more than ever before. We can witness and share these comforts along with the gospel of Jesus Christ more readily with others. And our life is bringing glory to God now more than ever before. Because when we are weak, His strength is seen. The storm might have wrecked the boat but all have come through unharmed. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 6 through 10 declares, For God, who commended the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. We must not keep reliving our storms. We must learn from them and let our faith, peace, hope, and confidence in God become strengthened by them. Then, after we have gone through this and been restored, we must perform the last and final ceremonial rite. Retire the name of your storm. It's a new day. Oh, it's a new time. There's a new way. Thanks for joining us today. We trust you have been nourished and blessed. Always remember the Lord is faithful and His mercies are new every morning. 
Until next time, God bless.